And so once you start expanding those resources and then start discovering and giving kids and teens the opportunity to be leaders, to know that their voice matters, to know that they have the creative wherewithal to create programs and, and ideas and to you know, lead others in a positive way. When that light bulb goes off and when it kind of takes to that next step, it is, it is long term, you know, um, and it is very impactful. And the other thing too, Matt, is that we, we really intently try to bring kids together from all parts of our community because we can learn from one another. And, and so that is probably the biggest key is bringing people from all of our schools and public, private, homeschool, charter school, whatever. We really intently try to do that so that they can see beyond what they're exposed to on a daily basis. Bill Rush is the executive director of the J.A. Henry Community YMCA. The Henry branch is a bit unusual in Chattanooga in that it operates without its own physical building. Rather, the branch is disseminated throughout the city, partnering with organizations in almost every neighborhood with the vision and purpose to develop youth, promote social responsibility, and encourage healthy living. This is the Camp House Podcast, and I am your host, Matt Busby. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. So my guest today is Bill Rush, and he's the executive director of the J.A. Henry YMCA. And, uh, you know, the reason I want to have Bill on this podcast today is I just feel like well, there's, there's a lot of things that the J.A. Henry does um, that's, I feel like, unique. Um, and they have some actually nationally recognized programs that I don't think most of Chattanooga knows about, that I, I think you guys should know about, that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, uh, and talking about the history of the J.A. Henry YMCA. But, um, but Bill, before we get there, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks, Matt. Uh, not my favorite topic for sure, but uh, yeah, I've been born and raised in Chattanooga and been with the Y for 31 years. And uh, I, you know, really enjoy the opportunities that it allows me to be able to do things that really are, I'm passionate about. And that, that is really serving people of our community. So you grew up here in Chattanooga, or the area? Yeah, yeah, East Chattanooga, as, as a matter of fact, and went to Udawah High School and UTC and Cleveland State. Did you ever move away at any point in that? You know, the, the furthest I've been is um, in Dayton, so I started my wide career up there for 15 years when it was independent, and uh, probably the most influential years of my life were spent there, um, and just a tremendous community, a lot of support, and uh, yeah, that 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 time period probably had the most impact on my life. Right, and when so, at what point did you move down to the uh, to work for the the what do we call the the entire Y network here in Chattanooga? It's the YMCA of Metropolitan Chattanooga, okay. and so yeah, in two thousand they brought me down to work at the downtown Y as an assistant associate director, um, and never had any aspirations or aspirations to work for Chattanooga. I really enjoyed Dayton, but it was just time and. Uh, you know, not to be sentimental or whatever, but my mom ended up um, passing away in that first year. So she, uh, I was glad that I was here and, uh, I just saw God's hand in, in all of that. So, well, okay. So you moved down here in 2000 to work for the Metro Y. Um, but 
you are now the director of the J.A. Henry YMCA, which is a branch that I have a feeling most people in Chattanooga don't even know about, um, much less the history, uh, why we have it, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So tell us, tell us a little bit about the history of the J.A. Henry and, uh, and the way, the unique way that it exists today. Sure, thanks. I appreciate it. Let me give you a little bit background on the why. I believe it was 1874 that movement came to Chattanooga, and the first meeting and the first why was in a library room. So, so the Y's existed in Chattanooga for almost 150 years now. Yeah, exactly. I think we're the oldest nonprofit in Chattanooga. Wow. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. So over the course of time, you know, they, the, the Y here in Chattanooga, similar to that whole movement and how it spread, began to spread here in Chattanooga. And so when they moved out of the 9th Street location, uh, they renamed it the James A. Henry Y. Uh, then it moved up to Park Avenue where it had this building that really focused on urban youth. And, and for, for listeners who don't know, you know, uh, Bill said 9th Street. Uh, that is MLK Boulevard now. Uh, you know, the street name was changed about 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, but that's the historic 9th Street. So th- there used to be a Y location right there on, 9th, on MLK, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the James A. Henry Y, that was in 1953. And so it was named after James A. Henry. And he was a local educator for 29 years. He really was sought out after throughout the South because of his um, reputation of being of a, such a high standard for as an advocate for youth and education and also race relations. And so, you know, if you can imagine during that time how what all we saw happening and beginning to, to really transpire in the country. And so, you know, he, he really uh, was influential locally and throughout the South. In fact, because of him and his efforts, you know, uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. King visited Chattanooga and he actually came to the, the Henry Y and spoke in the gymnasium and uh, did a Q&A afterwards. And um, it really was an amazing time to have Dr. King here and at the Henry Y. So the Henry, the Henry Y has a real strong history in Chattanooga on serving um, our community. So we kind of went from there, you know, and um, I think it was probably in 1985 or so, they moved into the Eastgate location. So um, they wanted to try their hand at a traditional kind of Y setting. They had a preschool, they had weights and fitness equipment, gymnasium, group exercise, so some of that traditional stuff. But, in two, but it really was a struggle. And, and in some ways, while it really did a lot of great things, it, it just was not serving the number of people that it needed to serve and really doing the outreach work that it needed to do. And, it, you know, as just with anything, time changes. The why has been amazing in, in its history of how it's adapted to the local needs of the community. It, while we're part of a national organization, every why in the country mimics the community in which it, it's located in. And so whether that's around health and wellness or youth development or social responsibility, they really kind of really focus on the immediate needs of the community. And so um, we decided, uh, I think it was in 2010, to close the Eastgate Y. And that was, that was tough, you know, because there was this maybe a perception that we weren't committed. But we were committed. Yeah. We just knew that we needed to realign how this Y functioned. And uh, so we all got together and kind of really talked about taking the Y to the neighborhoods. And so that we could serve more people 
where they were versus trying to guide them to Eastgate because transportation is a huge issue for a lot of our community and access, which is really important. So we realigned that and we did it slowly and intentionally. Yeah, and so now you're getting into the definition of what the J.A. Henry YMCA is today. And that's this decentralized YMCA branch. Uh, so you guys don't have any one physical location. You guys, you have like an office down in the metro, but you guys exist in, uh, I mean, and so go ahead and get into this definition. Like how many neighborhoods are you guys in? What does it mean to be a decentralized YMCA? Yeah, so it, what it does is, it, first of all, it frees you from the burden of a facility and the financial obligations that when, you know, you don't own that building or you're having to pay this, you know, rent, it then puts all the focus on that facility. So removing that removed the barriers and it also removed the burden of the financial thing that was really causing us a problem to be able to serve more people. So then what you do is you pull that back in and then you start beginning to map the needs and say, okay, where are the greatest needs that we have and what are they and how can the Y partner with others to really address those issues, especially partnering with the local residents about addressing their immediate needs. And so um, getting them involved and engaged is really critical to, um, you know, change and to um, address those issues. I, we can come in all the time and try to do things, but unless we're working within the, the neighborhood and with the people that live and work and play there, um, it can be for naught. Because the why a lot of times didn't have a reputation within some of these communities. Yeah, so I guess my question for that is, so now that you guys are a decentralized YMCA and you're not a physical location, you know, obviously that changes the way finances look. That changes a lot of things. And, and uh, you know, kind of what I'm interested in hearing is you know, since 2010, how has the vision uh, and purpose of the J.A. Henry YMCA uh, morphed and evolved because you don't have a physical location? Instead, like you said, you're out in the neighborhoods, you're seeing the needs of the community. Um, so how has how the, the vision of this branch shifted over the past six years because of that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so a couple of things to really kind of give some framework to that was, number one, we're, we're a, a pioneering healthy communities YMCA is YMCA Metropolitan Chattanooga, and that is one of my jobs is to work with um, people on addressing issues like food access, food insecurities, uh, the built environment, safe places, um, the ability to be able to exercise within your own neighborhood, walkability neighborhoods, those kind of things. So we work very intently with our core partners, uh, the health department, the city, the county, um, and others, UTC, to really come in and work with the, the neighborhood associations on, on some of those issues. Um, and then, so we have three focus areas, which are youth development, social responsibility, and healthy living. And so within that framework, um, how do we, and the PhD work, how do we combine those to really address the needs of the local community? And so we did a, a, quite a bit of, of, of research looking into each neighborhood we developed the mobile y concept uh, which means that we go in with our staff and our volunteers to either do you know the food program is one of the best ways to really talk about how we got into the neighborhood so that that core piece of beginning to recognize that during the summer uh, in 2010 there was a study done and in the summer of 2010, only 6% of the kids that qualify for free and reduced lunch were participating in a summer lunch program. And mm -hmm. 
Hamilton County had kind of gone through a, a kind of this thing uh, that didn't fare so well, and so people were a little hesitant to be a sponsor. At that same time, YUSA put this on as one of their national signature programs. So we became part of a pilot for both summer and after school consecutively with YUSA. And, and that really, and creating Mobile Fit was really our doorway into neighborhood by neighborhoods. I mean, we started with seven summer sites and four after school sites and 2011 and today, and Matt, you know me, I don't like to do this from a, a kind of a boasting thing, but I think really to try to really understand the need and the impact, we're up to about 100 sites in the summer and 50 sites in after school. And what that means is we work with a lot of partners to, that serve youth. So take this summer. This is what's really important to us is out of that 100, there may be 60 that are partner agencies. So that means that we're helping provide healthy meals um, and some training and some standards around what we call healthy eating and physical activity for these partner agencies to implement themselves. And then we, have, we are committed to 40 to 50 sites where kids gather. That means they're not connected to a Y or Boys Girls Club or Parks and Rec or any other organization. They're just, they're just part of the neighborhood. And um, so we find green spaces in those neighborhoods or churches or schools, and we go in with our staff and volunteers, and we commit to not just serving a healthy meal, but providing really, a, you know, a healthy mentor adult that can engage them in physical activity. We do literacy, we do art, we do STEM. So we have a whole curriculum around that. And so, but what we really are excited about is how well the kids respond to having an adult there that cares about them and watching our staff and our volunteers become advocates for those kids have been probably the greatest thing to kind of see well yeah like i said i think what i find so fascinating about the henry y is that you know it would have been so easy for you guys to have closed the doors at eastgate and closed the door of the henry y yeah right instead it's this incredible story of um, being open to change and being open to, okay, what's the, what's the next calling of the Y? You know, so what's the next calling of the J.A. Henry YMCA? How, how can this program, you know, continue to be a blessing to the city? And, and being able to, to ask that question with eyes wide open and being kind of open to anything, I feel like is what you, got, what, what you guys have done. Um, and so that, that, that's really exciting. So, so your three purposes today as this decentralized YMCA is really is you know you said youth development social responsibility and healthy living yep. and so i kind of want to go through each one of these and you kind of talk about the programs that you guys have de- developed through uh underneath each one of these umbrellas and so uh so let's just start with the first one you mentioned you know youth development uh you know what does that what does that look like for you guys yeah thanks uh, that's probably the biggest scope uh for us right now is really working within the city in these populated areas where education and development of youth is is really one of the key issues and so what we've done over the course of these past five years matt is really develop kind of this pathway programs that really help take kids from from infancy through college and so really creating um the early learning readiness program which we launched this year with new city east lake and new city glenwood and that is bringing those people in, caregivers and parents that keep their kids at home, 
and helping them to learn and develop uh, the skills they need to create a more learning educational environment within the home so that kids are ready for school when they start. And then the next phase is that we strategically partner with um, organizations and uh, groups to address academics, social and emotional well-being of youth. And so we partner with other groups to deliver uh, year-round out-of-school time programming in those neighborhoods like East Lake and like in Glenwood, uh, College Hill Courts. And, and that's growing every year. So we add a site, usually one a year. Uh, so we'll be adding the uh, East Side site this, uh, this January. Uh, and possibly Emma Willer Homes uh, this uh, January as well. So we really look at how to structure that so that we're addressing academics, but really wanted to focus on that foundation because, uh, and, and we're part of Chattanooga 2.0 and we're really trying to help, you know, as much as we can uh, in that area because it takes all of us and you can't, the statistics show that kids in, from urban communities, low-income urban communities, start school behind and even if they perform at the same level of their of their counterparts um that went to preschools you know educational preschools during the school year uh if they don't have after school activities and summer pr learning programs then they'll continue to fall behind and so it's really important to provide those for these youth and then the key too is also not just to look at that but to look at what their barriers are you know if i'm hungry I can't really focus on writing. I don't know about you, but I can't write really well or, or think as positively. So can that multiply that significantly to someone who doesn't know where their next meal is going to come from? Safety being the other big issue and, and belonging. And so um, we've kind of adopted uh, something from Coach Esslinger up at UTC, and that is with these programs, no matter what they are, and I'll talk about the second half of that, but is kids need a place to belong where they feel safe and cared for. They need someone that really believes in them and really, really, you know, invest in their lives and what's going on, not just trying to get them to read better, but who they are as a person and to really develop them as an individual and as a community. And, and then they need a belief system. And so, that, you know, the church is our great partner for us because they really help us in that way and to develop that belief system that kind of guides their behavior and guides their future and gives them that vision. And so really fortunate that we have such a great church partners. Um, and then, so then after the elementary, we really have developed these leadership programs for middle school and high school. And we have, we serve over a thousand teens um, in various ways. And what's really key about the programs that we run is while there is a staff person that's dedicated to it, we have volunteers and then the teens lead each other and they all have to they all have to take that role and learn what it means to be a leader and what it means to do um, cons consensus building and uh, compromise and making decisions and then delivering the impact of the program. And so I ha had a mom vis visit me for a completely different reason until me ended up saying, oh, Model UN, I love that program. We just had it here in Chattanooga this yeah. past weekend. And she said, it was the difference maker in my son's life. He, he didn't have the confidence he needed. But because he was involved in Model UN, his res the research, the writing, the public speaking, all came together. 
brought him to a whole new world and opened up a lot of new doors for him. And so hearing that, knowing that it's not about Model UN, it's about what it brings to the kids. And that's that confidence, that skill development, um, that investment in civic issues across their neighborhood and across the world. So yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, I had a conversation with Bryce Percy about this, who's your program director for youth development. And, uh, and what was amazing is every one of the, uh, the different programs that he described that he's in charge of, every one of them, you, you know, you, they start as middle schoolers, um, as eighth graders. But by the time that they get to high school and, and especially upperclassmen, they're the ones leading those programs. And so, you know, whether, whether it was the outdoor leadership program uh, or whether it was Model UN, uh, it's the people who are in 11th and 12th grade that are actually leading those programs, not the adults, not, not Bryce himself. Yeah. Um, and so that just goes to show that, I mean, it's that, it's that belonging piece, but it's also developing those leadership skills and that confidence, which is really cool. And honestly, what I really love about your, the youth development program with the Henry Y is the fact that because you guys are not married to a physical location, your ability to be out in the community and identify kids uh, for leadership development is, I mean, it's a completely different paradigm, right? I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're in a Y building, the kids kind of have to come to you. Yeah. Uh, but with what, with what you guys are doing, be so, being so de- decentralized, being in a hundred different sites, um, you guys are identifying young leaders all around Hamilton County and all around the, the Chattanooga area, which is really exciting. Yeah, it, it really is. And yeah, cause so many times if we're in a neighborhood or community, we don't get out of that neighborhood or community. And, you know, we kind of, that's everything that is about who we are. Is and that's not bad. I mean, there's, there's no. some real benefits to that as well. Absolutely. This is a very different model. Yeah, absolutely. But you don't necessarily have all the exposure, you know, or opportunities. They may be limited to what the resources are in that neighborhood. And so once you start expanding those resources and then start discovering and giving kids and teens the opportunity to be leaders, to, to know that their voice matters, to know that they have the creative wherewithal to create programs and, and ideas and to you know, lead others in a positive way. When that light bulb goes off and when it kind of takes to that next step, it is, it is long term. You know, um, and it is very impactful. And, and, and the other thing too, Matt, is that we, we really intently try to bring kids together from all parts of our community because we can learn from one another. And, and so that is probably the biggest key is bringing people from all of our schools, public, private, homeschool, charter school, whatever. We really intently try to do that so that they can see beyond what they're exposed to on a daily basis. Well, the second thing you mentioned was social responsibility, and uh, and I gotta admit, I, I think I can I can imagine some of you guys' programs with the other two, uh, but with social responsibility, go ahead and give us an example of that or a definition of, of, of what that program looks like. Yeah, social responsibility it scopes a wide range. I mean, it really, you could you could classify all of our youth development programs in social responsibility, but it is is our call or response to um, helping to create opportunities for, for righting a wrong or for giving people the opportunity to invest into a community or for um, engaging community leaders. or So it's, it's about taking a look and a deeper look. Um, so an example of that would be uh, the mobile market. And so I talked to you a little bit earlier about pioneering health communities and 
when food line closed, it left us with about 80,000 residents food insecure as far as not having a grocery store within a mile of their home. Wow. So that's a significant impact. And it's a quarter from about uh, Campbell Street, which connects into Highway 58, all the way down to almost the Georgia line. And so when food line closed, the only stores that were located anywhere near those neighborhoods actually went away. Mm-hmm. And so a quick response from Benwood and the health department, the YMCA and the food bank came together and looked at different options on how to address food insecurities and access to f- fresh food, like affordable, healthy food. And so uh, out of that came the Chattanooga mobile market. And we, that came together pretty quickly within a four or five month span and we were operating and that started, we're now in our fifth year. It was only supposed to be a three year deal. <laughs> and so we're getting ready to start, you know, finish up our fifth year, um, which is amazing. We have about, uh, so we go into neighborhoods, um, where there's, um, pretty dense population, uh, in, within those areas. And, uh, we're committed to be there for two hours, you know, at a time, so that the people who live there know we're going to be there on the same day at the same time and, and, and can use that as their shopping in between um, to make it affordable, uh, accessible, and healthy. And they, they're still going to do that once a month. But if you don't have transportation, if you have kids, if you are a senior and getting to the, on a bus and riding that bus to any grocery store, it may take you an hour to get there, an hour to get back. And then you go haul all those groceries. Yeah. And so it's a really, you know, it's a really tough thing. And while that, but, and for some, that never happens unless somebody takes them. Cause even physically, a lot of our seniors have a difficult time doing that. And so, you know, for them, the mobile market is right out their front door. And yeah. so it's really helpful. So that, that's an example of our commitment to, people in the community with, uh, that are food insecure, food access, um, is not readily available and we're trying to address it. We're also doing that through the healthy corner store initiative. So instead of us being there for two hours, we've got four, three healthy corner stores right now. And we're getting ready to do a fourth. And that's where a corner store or business person works with the YMCA and we work with them to reduce their risk. If they will give up space in their store for fresh, uh, produce, affordable produce, and frozen produce, because they're both, frozen is also very important to people that have limited income, and so they can take out what they need and then keep the rest in the freezer, so it's really important. Yeah, I mean, I really love the mobile market and the corner store uh, programs under the Henry White, because again, I just feel like it's so unique to do this sort of thing, that like, you know, food deserts are a real problem in a lot of urban areas, um, you know, like, like the way you're describing, just there's not a grocery store within a certain number of miles of a home. And, um, and, and yet you, you guys have sought to help alleviate that issue in Chattanooga. And that's, to me, that's just such a funny, uh, unique thing for a why to say, hey, this is a huge problem within our community. What can we do to solve it? And so one of those things you described is the mobile market, but also the corner stores. You know, it, it, what, what a lot of these communities do have are corner stores that if you walk in, I mean, you walk into any corner store, the, the, the biggest sellers are soda, you know, candy, cigarettes, and beer. I mean, and lottery and, and, and lottery. And these are, and, to, and let's, you know, to be fair to the business owners, these are small businesses. Yeah. So go keep, talk a little bit more about the corner store because what, the way you described it really quickly is you're, you're helping to alleviate the risk of these store owners yeah. 
in order to provide something and to create a market and to create a demand uh, for the local community. So talk about that a little bit more of how you, how you guys are working with store owners to create these healthy corner markets. Yeah, it's, it's really critical to find someone who is, a, so they're a small business owner, you were c- completely correct. And we don't try to change any of their business model because you know that's what they're there for. Uh, but at the same token, the people and the population that live within that community are also financial insecure. And so um, corner stores are, have a different model. It costs more because they can't stock in the massive product, you know, the products uh, a way a grocery store can. So plus, and the real estate's really valuable. You're also talking about a small, usually these corner stores are small. And so, you know, they're trying to pack in as much product as they can. And so to, to get them to give up space for coolers and, and vegetable bins and, and freezers um, is pretty significant, to be really honest, because there's not a real um, economic advantage for them to do this, although none of them have been at a loss. Um, and that's a part of our thing. We help do the purchasing. We help do the, you know, we, we take care of the equipment. We put it in there. And as long as they're committed to it, and that they accept SNAP and EBT, and they do that for a year, then they get to keep the equipment and the signage and that stuff because we put up signs to let people know that, hey, fresh fruits and vegetables are here, and they're affordable. And so um, we have some great partners uh, on that, and we're really thankful. So we really have to look to someone who goes beyond just the fact that they're building a business and community, but they're a community investor. And so, you know, Muhammad and, and, and Ali and these Chattanooga, they are our investors into the community, and, and it was a no-brainer for them. They really wanted to do it. Well, the last one that you mentioned here, too, uh, you know, driving initiative of the Henry Y is healthy living. And, uh, and I think this is where we're going to get into your, the summer food program that you talked about that's also an after-school food program you know, that's been lauded by the National Y as one of the best programs in the country. So I'm really excited to talk about that as well. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more about healthy living. Yeah, so it, it's a... Healthy living is a broad stroke uh, to, to really look at um, what really affects us. And so, yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked earlier about the mobile fit program and really addressing the need that that that's youth development. It's social responsibility and it's healthy living because of the, the nature of the food. And while we're providing food, I really just want to make sure that, you know, we emphasize that it's not about us just giving free meals away. It's about us really working within the neighborhoods and with our partners to build a you know, that sense of belonging, that belief system, and, and that somebody cares about them. And so that, that's really core. And so even with our partnership with CGLA, we're not their vendor for breakfast and lunch. We're their partner. And so that means that, that our staff and our, our team is really committed to, uh, they've already developed a, a culinary group team leadership program uh, for food. Uh, 55 kids have signed up. Wow. And so, so, so see, really looking at that healthy living Teens can really have a voice in what their school lunches look like. They can do taste testing before an item is inserted into the menu. Uh, as long as it meets all the standards and falls within the guidelines, then we're good. But giving kids that voice and that, that opportunity then begins the process of learning. You know, what is healthy food and what, how, to, you know, and the taste. Because our tastes are developed at an early age, right? And so if they're filled with sugar, then we're in crave sugar for, for a long time. But changing that. And getting and understanding what it means to my body and my performance academically, physically, emotionally, food does do that for us. And so, um, 
and it was our gateway. So I talked about mobile fit being our gateway. It was our gateway to our academic programs. It was our gateway to the mobile market. That's why the mobile market really landed with the Y because we were already in there with these mobile fit programs for the food. And so we already had been developing this relationship within the local community. And so it, it was a natural fit. Um, so, you know, now really committed to doing that. Uh, so we, um, well, you mentioned that you guys are providing food for CGLA and we haven't actually told that story yet, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, as, as the, you know, the Henry Y through their, you know, mobile, well, through, through your summer food program, I mean, you've become known as, as an entity that's providing excellent meals, um, throughout the community of Chattanooga. And so uh, that reputation is built. Um, to where to where now, <laughs> you guys have like when when Bill talks about them forming partnerships. I mean, the, the number of partnerships the YMCA, the Henry Y has throughout the community is unbelievable. But right now, I th- you know, and correct me if I'm wrong in telling this story, but right now you guys have uh, formed a partnership with the Orange Grove Center. Yes. Uh, to use their kitchen mm-hmm. to be able to be the food vendor for for CGLA, um, Chattanooga Girls Leadership Academy. Yeah. And, 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 and so that's actually grown to where you guys aren't even just providing food for CGLA now. You're actually, you guys were just awarded the city contract to provide, to provide meal, meals for city workers as well, correct? City kids, yeah, at, at all the youth and family development centers. Okay, okay. And so we had done that. We've worked with them. Uh, so we worked, we were their provider. Then we helped them to become their own sponsor, which is really, was really great. So they'll still be their sponsor. Um, but what they've, really what we're doing now is how to do that sustainable, really work with the city on the impact, really talk about the healthy meals, really have to, you really have to kind of model that behavior too with your staff. And so when you go into a neighborhood, you know, these are unique. And for a lot of kids, these are first taste of Kiwi or first taste of, uh, of certain items. And so, you know, cause we use almond butter or, you know, different things that, that are different than they just haven't had that exposure. And then we really have to model that behavior so that they understand, you know, if we, if our staff went in with McDonald's, that's not going to send a very good message. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, um, really working with our partners and working with our staff to really model that behavior because it is different and it does move differently if, um, it takes a little time and, and Northside neighborhood house is a great example. They were one of our first, um, agencies that first summer we had seven sites and now they're completely in the game. I mean, like they have a community garden, they have a food pantry. We still are doing their meals with them. The kids are loving it. And, and, and they also get a voice. So if something doesn't work quite well, then they'll, they get to tell us. And so we'll change it up and, and, and mix it up for them. So it's really about, and they understand now what certain items do for their body. And so that's really important. So we've enjoyed it. Yeah. And you know, you know, going back to the way you described your partnership with the CGLA, I just love how, you guys are able to, you know, essentially take the, the, the everything you seem to do. Um, if it doesn't clearly immediately fit all three of these initiatives, you guys find a way to make it happen, right? Yeah, like, yeah. so it wasn't good enough just to provide healthy meals for CJLA. You guys wanted to, you know, if we can if we can teach a class, all of a sudden we can do youth development, and if we can within that youth development um, teach them what this food does for their bodies, then we're working towards social responsibility. Um, and so, just uh, I, I love how you guys. You know, we'll start with one thing, but you'll find a way to work in the other two and the other two uh, pieces of vision for why, Henry Y and why you guys do what you do, uh, seemingly into everything you guys are div in. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, even that next step of volunteering. And so, you know, volunteerism is a key component of social responsibility. So we'll, we'll launch Togetherhood this coming year, Matt. Uh, to, it's the fastest growing program in the Y across the country. And it's a way to give our members and our community an opportunity to serve. And so by serving, if, we don't, if you don't give people the opportunity to serve, you're hiding a gift from them. Mm. And so because serving, in, in, whether it's one hour a month or, or one hour a day or whatever it is, the blessings that come from that are amazing. And, you know, and, and we know volunteerism is a key. And a lot of times organizations get caught up in, I don't have time to manage volunteers. Well, our food program is built on volunteers. We have over 300 volunteers annually that are committing over four to 5,000 hours in that program. And that's, that's one of our sustainable models. That's one of the things that we were recognized by YUSA is having the strongest volunteer program in any of the food co- uh, programs across the country. And so, but it's, it's not about that. It's about them, people having the opportunity to serve their community, even though they may not get there, you know, even though they may not actually drive and deliver it, preparing that meal for them they they know the impact and then um the other part that we're launching this january is pray for me and so i really wanted to touch on that a little bit about a social responsibility also we have we have a, a a faith responsibility and so um the simple way that's so important is that we miss sometimes the power of prayer and so we have a lot of adults who want to be engaged, but they don't have, you know, they've got kids, they've got a job, they've got their church, they've got their, their investments. But they can, by, by identifying these kids that really need an addition, some prayer warriors um, in their lives, uh, so it's meant to have like three generations of people, three people praying, mixed generations praying for these youth in these communities. And what we hope is they'll start, they'll sign up and they'll start praying for these kids every day, right? So they'll play, pray for Mike every day. And they'll know Mike's age, and they'll know his first name, and they'll know a little bit about him. And and then there's a whole uh, curriculum around these prayers and the and these seven essentials for praying for these kids. And then we hope that's going to lead to them coming to the site where these kids are and volunteering. And so we'll do the background checks and all the things we need to do. And then they can meet their prayer champions. And, they, I mean, how cool would that be? And so you just kind of looking at that, I get I get – you know, I just get filled just knowing what the potential is there. So, well, you know, down in the show notes, I'll put up some links where people can read more about Togetherhood and Pray for Me. These new initiatives you guys are going to be starting very soon. Well, you know, that last initi- initiative that we're talking about, healthy living, was there anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I really, you know, so here's the other thing to think about: so chronic disease, diabetes, and other um, chronic disease are on the rise at, at alarming rates in our country. But Matt, what's really even more alarming is that by your street address might determine how likely or unlikely you are to develop type 2 diabetes. Did you know that depending on where you live, as much as 20% increase uh, for your risk are are there just because of where you live? Mm -hmm. And what that means is that you may not have the opportunity to exercise in your own neighborhood or, or even walk in your own neighborhood because it's not safe or the sidewalks aren't there. They don't have access um, to some of our beautiful outdoors, which we find that amazing, right? So that someone wouldn't have access. They don't have access to fresh food, uh, affordable food, and so and, and, the, and or access to health care or they go to a doctor 
or whatever that may be. So there's these combination things that contribute to raising that from, say, 30% chance of all people in Hamilton County developing type 2 diabetes is where we're at. But if you live in certain neighborhoods, that jumps to 45 to 50%. So our effort with YDPP and the YMCA Diabetes Prevention Program, the Blood Pressure Management Program, um, uh, and others like that, we are working very intently on getting those into the neighborhoods. Now that's a little more difficult than a mobile fit program, but we, cause we really have to have that, that, that church or that space to be able to bring them together to really start addressing. Cause there are lifestyle behavior changes. Yeah. Those two core, you know, those two courses, that's what that is. And so we need the opportunity for our lifestyle coaches to really meet with them on a regular basis and really be able to help assist them with the thing, the decisions they make. They have to make the decisions on their own, and we can't tell people how to live their life. They have to decide what they want out of life. And so, but we can provide a lot of support, and we can p- provide resources and ideas, and we can encourage them and support them. And, and these programs are evidence-based programs. That means if they work, I mean, YDPP has a 77% success rate <laughs> that if terrible. you do these two things, yeah you reduce or eliminate the development of type 2 diabetes wow. if you are pre-diabetic. So we, we've got to get that in to these neighborhoods. We're waiting on key legislation right now that would in, ensure that uh, people on fixed incomes would be covered under, under the, the Medicaid, Medicare system. Well, Bill, you know, I'm, I'm really interested. Are there, are there any kind of success stories you guys have seen in these neighborhoods that have really, you know, touched you and spoken to you and, and, you know, confirmed the vision of what you guys are doing with the Henry Y. Jonathan Ramirez down at Carruthers Park, this beautiful hidden park off of Russell Boulevard. And uh, we would have 50 kids there every day. And we had tried it the year before and it didn't go very well. But this year, because we had the right staff and someone that could communicate well with that population uh, in the Hispanic and Latino population, then really saw the numbers starting to grow and grow and grow. Well, then we built a reputation and a trust through Jonathan with those parents to start telling us things that they were facing. Mm-hmm. And one example is that as a 12-year-old boy who was acting out and uh, father, you know, had, had, had left and, and the mom had four children and she was, she was just, you know, trying to work and raise four kids and and uh, really do the right things, but she needed help, and she shared that with Jonathan. And Jonathan became an advocate for her and her family. And, and still seeing that young man, you know, learn to swim, because that's what we connected into, because we wanted to take him on a leadership program. You know, we wanted him to become a leader instead of, a, you know, because of acting out, causing his mom more trouble. So we developed, a, we met with him and, and developed this plan over the course of the summer to get Tech Town was great. Their partner gave us 10 spots. We brought 10 of those kids to that Tech Town for a week and then swim lessons and then getting them ready to go on this eight-day wilderness leadership program for boys and girls. And, and, and just how he, the excitement and the, and the joy that came through him resonated, then started to spread through all the other kids in the families too. So it was, it was really great. I'm really proud of Jonathan because that wasn't something that you, you hope, you hope that happens, but you're not ever sure how confident the the staff will be or the volunteers will be. So really connected. And that mom was really happy and, and, uh, and, and he was great. 
Well, I know something, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of awkward. You know, people, if you live in, if you live in Hamilton place, you can walk into the Hamilton Y there and, or, and, and join. If you, if you live downtown, you can walk into the Metro and join. And when you sign up, you know, you're paying your dues, your dues actually go to support that specific Y. Well, and, and so this is one of, one of the odd things about the, the, the Henry Y is you guys are decentralized. So is it possible for people when they do pay their Y dues and they join the YMCA to actually make sure that those dues are going to support the JA Henry YMCA? Yeah, thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. You know, it's a, that's one of those issues. We work really closely together with our branches. We, you know, we support our branches in a, in a unique way through the Henry Y, through Mobile Fit, all our branches benefit, and, and through other things. Um, but if people wanted to join the Henry Y, say they were uh, one of our partners or living in the communities in which we serve. And so that's really our focus is going to be. We're not going to try, obviously, to take members away from downtown or North River or Hamilton. Uh, at all but we, you know our board and our volunteers sometimes really go I want to I want my membership dues to go to Henry because I believe in what they're doing and and because of our the way the Y works um, if you're a member of Hamilton Y you can go to any Y so that part in fact you can do that across the state of Tennessee now eventually oh, wow. I think that'll be countrywide I mean nationwide and so um, so it isn't something that we're so actively marketing but we have had a lot of people ask and, and, and that they want to do it this way. A lot of our board members, a lot of our volunteers, and a lot of our partners. And so we have made an opportunity for people to be able to do that. Our next step is really, you know, Matt, these out-of-school time programs where we work with the youth. Strengthening the family is, is also our component there. So we do things with the families and in all of those sites. Uh, and this will be one of our ways that we're going to try to really connect them is, is by now introducing them to the why, you know, to come and be healthy. Because as adults, uh, we, need to, we need to realize the importance of how well we are means how well we can care for our, our kids and our families. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you coming in and, and, and sharing the vision of the JA Henry YMCA and for, for our people in Chattanooga to know how unique this program is and, and some of the amazing things they're doing within our city that you guys are doing within our city. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you again to Bill Rush for stopping in and sharing a little bit more about the JA Henry branch of the YMCA here in Chattanooga and the incredible work that they do, not in any physical location, but throughout our entire city. And it's so incredible to have a, a branch like that here in our city that's receiving national recognition uh, for the type of food program that it's running and some of the social initiatives uh, that they've taken on in our city. And so if you want to learn more about them and more about the YMCA in general here in Chattanooga, you can just look them up at ymcachattanooga.org. And there's a link on that page that goes to the J.A. Henry Community YMCA branch. And thank you so much to our studio sponsor, The Lamp Post Group. I would encourage you to go and check out their podcast, Dynamo Discussions. Well, thank you all for being here and tuning in each and every week to learn more about the things that are happening in your city. If you find this podcast encouraging, then please go online and leave us a rating or review, or even better, share this episode or any of our other episodes with a friend. And you can do that at thecamphouse.com slash podcast. And thank you for being here. We'll see you again next week. Have a great day.